everybody to episode 18 of Gen Z Rockets. I'm your host, Nima Javadza, and you can find me on Twitter at FindingNima23 and the show on Twitter at Gen Z Rockets. Today, we're going to have a very fun conversation about the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, I have three people with me, all, all very interested in the topic and all very, uh, very well-versed. Uh, we have a repeating offender uh, in Alan. <laughs> <laughs> back for his first time in a while. Uh, McCade also back. And for the first time, we have Aaron Washington on the show. Um, we'll, we'll go through one at a time. Let us know where we can find you guys. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You can find me uh, on the Twitters at, uh, at Alan Show. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm fun. So follow me. <laughs> <laughs> McCade, how's it going? It's good. You can follow me at McCade P8. It's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. Nah, we'll talk about that later. Go ahead. Aaron, uh, how how you doing? How's it? Welcome to the show for the first time. Appreciate it. I'm doing fantastic, guys. You can follow me at A underscore A underscore RON25 on Twitter. And I also have my business casual basketball podcast. That's BC Basketball, too, if you guys are interested in following me um, on Twitter over there. Awesome. And definitely check out everybody's uh, accounts and everything that they do. Uh, Y'all are some of my favorite people that I follow on Twitter as well. And that's part of why I wanted to have you guys on here for this conversation. We're going to talk about some big topics this year where there's a very big uh, free agency going on this year. You know, very interesting. There's not a huge pool, but a lot of teams have money. Uh, we're going to talk about the salary cap in- implications for different teams this offseason, uh, go into the next CBA agreement in 2023, and then talk about some, you know, some hypotheticals we'd like to see be brought up uh, potentially in the next uh, CBA agreement. So going on to start with uh, some teams with just some of the biggest salary cap implications. This is a Rockets podcast, so we're going to go ahead and start with the Houston Rockets. Uh, Alan, what do you think is the best move for the Rockets to go about this offseason? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things up in the air with whether or not that pick pans out. But we have about I believe it's um, we have about a maximum amount of space of about 17 million dollars this year. And that's, you know, if if we were to also get rid of uh, Kelly Oubre's cap or not Kelly Oubre, well, <laughs> if, if we were also able to get rid of Kelly Olenek's cap hold. Uh, we have about $17.8 million in cap room, but, you know, you get that number one pick. That's about an $8 million or $9 million contract, I believe, in, in year one. So that brings you down a lot, and you probably want to bring back Olenek. So what do you think is the best, the, the best thing that, like, the Rockets need to do? So there are two schools of thought out there. Um, there's, there's a large sector of Rocket stands who say Houston should ship out John Wall clear cap space that way, maybe entice it with picks or um, one that uh, got a lot of traction was the idea of the hypothetical of uh, uh, Porzingis for wall, because your yearly obligation goes down, but you have more years and it opens you up in 2022 uh, for a potential uh, ma- uh, max free agent. I don't necessarily love that because I don't think Porzingis and Wood get along well enough or it would work well enough. And I think for Porzingis to really rebound his career, he's going to need more reps. He's not going to need less. I don't think you can, you can shrink his, his exposure down and say, okay, well, we're going to put you behind Wood and get him back. So I don't, I don't see the win in either one of those. Tillman would love it because he's going to pay less, but I don't really (laughs) care about Tillman for Tita. Do you guys? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not particularly 
Um, the thing with the like Wall's contract though is that like it's just it's very very tough to deal with. But I do like the idea of like getting a contract that might be going a little bit longer. I mean, I think we're gonna see a huge like spike in the salary cap once the uh, gambling money comes in. Uh, and then I think a few years later after that, I believe at the end of 2025, the uh, the current contract, the, the TV deal is uh, going to be running out. And anytime a new T- TV deal comes in, we always see a huge spike in the salary cap. Um, and so, you know, like having Kristaps Porzingis at 33 million might look bad now, but probably doesn't look bad under under a new CBA with likely a higher salary cap. But there has been some ideas sent out. Uh, I, I know, like, you know, good friend of the show and one of my good friends, Bobby Manning, um, he he wrote an article about different things that the, the Celtics can do because they're also kind of in a bind with, uh, with you know, Jason Tatum's contract now going into full effect, his extension, uh, as well as Kemba Walker being on that roster of Kemba Walker for John Wall, where they get a lot of a similar situation of they get a lot of money um, and then the Rockets, you know, get an extra year on their contract. So I, you know, I'm, I, I think there's different things that they can do. There's also, you know, Eric Gordon finding a team to unload Eric Gordon. Uh, one team that was rumored, and I guess this is a good way to kind of segue into them um, is the New York Knicks and trading for John Wall, because they would be able to trade for John Wall and still have max cash base. And I'm, I'm going to throw this question to uh, McKay or Aaron, whoever wants to answer it. What do you guys like? I do you guys feel like the Knicks might unnecessarily put all their chips into this offseason and you know give DeMar DeRozan a max contract, Mike Conley, or something like that a max contract? Or sorry, McCade, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but like what what do you think the Knicks are going to do? Slash, what do you think is the, the, the best approach for them going into this offseason with all the cap space they have in such a you know kind of weak free agency class? Ironically, they got three or four people over in New York that they stole from the Jazz front office last summer. Um, <laughs> so we'll throw that out there, including Don, all of Donovan Mitchell's best friends. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of teams in the league right now that just need to not screw up and not be overly <laughs> aggressive and not try and cut corners. And I know that sounds kind of funny and kind of a little aggressive, but it's so true that winning a title takes three, four, five, six years of really good moves. And there's teams out there. The Rockets are probably one of them. The Knicks are for sure one of them that they just need to not screw up and not try and cut any corners. And so I hope the Knicks don't do anything like that, but there's a lot of pressure in New York. New York's a fun little city. You're over there right now, Nima, that they love their Knicks basketball and they want to win a championship and they want to win a 2022 championship and not a 2025 champion. Aaron, what about you? What do you think? Uh, You know, it's really a, it's an interesting situation for this team because as you know, McKay mentioned just before me, I mean, they have a habit of just kind of throwing out money to guys to become available because that market is in such a way that, you know, they demand excellence at all times. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on that front office to make moves. And I'm going to expect they're, they're going to, they're going to sign at least one big contract this season. I mean, I'm looking at their cap space. I mean, they have the most cap space, potential cap space of any team in the league, I believe at, you know, 72 million dollars. So if you're looking at the kind of money they can spend and the kind of players they can spend it on, I wouldn't be surprised if a DeMar DeRozan got a deal, uh, you know, someone of that caliber. Uh, I think they're definitely going to throw the money out, but I would be, I would definitely be a little bit nervous if I'm a Knicks fan uh, because I know how many years it took to get to this point back to relevancy. And I would be afraid that they would have kind of undermined it by 
throwing out a contract that's going to age poorly and it can come back to bite them in future years if we're looking at the 22 and 23. So if I'm the next, you know, I would definitely be looking for a big fish to bring in. Uh, this summer, it looks like it's going to have to be a second tier player, second or third tier player. Uh, you know, it's most likely going to be that, you know, no superstars are going to become available. So I would expect them to go after like a DeMar DeRozan type player. And, you know, I guess one of those guys wouldn't be so bad because as you mentioned, Nima, you know, they're probably still going to have room for another max spot if they wish. Uh, but it's really going to be about just managing assets because I think they should double down on who has been bringing them success. So, you know, um, Alec Burks, maybe bringing him back, um, extending Randall. He's had a fantastic year. Um, aside from the playoffs, we won't get into that right now. Uh, but, you know, other, other than that, I think they're on the right track. It's just they just have to not screw up. McCain made a great point. So just kind of walking that tightrope between building upon success and not just backtracking yourself after how long it took you to get to this point. And, you know, New York's number one asset is their city and cap space and bring in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, obviously that didn't quite work on the right side of town, but they just need to keep that cap space moving forward. And so I think, you know, maybe going out and getting a John Wall, bring him into cap space, maybe grabbing a pick from Houston. John Wall's a really good player. He's not worth his contract, but John Wall can be really good for you for two years. And then in two years, you have all this cap space again. So you stay relevant, you get more draft pick assets, and you kind of roll over that cap space to two years from now, that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying John Wall's the perfect answer for the Knicks by any means. John Wall's not the perfect answer for anybody. But still being in that bringing in assets mode um, and taking on bad contracts with $70 million in cap space for another year or two while you wait for the rest of the league to catch up in the free agency ranks would be really good. Because, you know, we're not sitting here talking about LeBron and Giannis and Paul George and Rudy Gobert. Everybody signed extensions already, so there's no big names this summer. And so just making sure you still have those options in the future years is what all these teams need to do and not go out and give DeMar DeRozan a four-year max deal or anything close to it. So I think there's, there's one way that I would like to see New York rebuild, and that's throw a lot of the money that they have. I mean, they have about, I believe, like 50-something million with uh if you take into account randall's contract and then you kind of just drop everybody's cap holds because i don't really think they bring anybody back maybe noel at like a cheaper price or around the same price i think you know you probably bring back alec burks but you're not bringing back frank nilakina Derek rose, rose is an interesting one Derek rose i you know yeah. he could very likely walk i could see him walking i could see him returning they probably let him think... walk and trade for him right <laughs> yeah yeah, probably. I mean, that's a that's a Thibodeau way. But I I think, you know, there's going to be teams that are going to be looking at Derrick Rose this offseason. But there's a lot of restricted free agents this offseason that I, that I do like. I mean, and you could probably get two or maybe even three of them rather than going and getting, you know, two max contracts that those max contracts are John Wall and DeMar DeRozan or, you know, Kemba Walker, probably DeMar DeRozan again, <laughs> but like you could go get yourself like a, a John Collins, potentially you could, you could go throw a contract at Lonzo ball, who I feel like is a good fit over there in that system. Uh, you could go and get the guy that I like to talk about and Gary Trent jr. A, a three and D type of player who can score on his own. I think that these are all like that. That's probably the best way if New York wants to kind of go all in this year with the cap space that they have, because they're still a very young team. I mean, Randall's only, I believe, 26 and RJ Barrett's still about like 21, 22. So they're still, they're still very young. 
Uh, they still have a couple more years to peak. So why not kind of buy into that, get a couple guys who are 23, 24 years old and just kind of, you know, take the bet on the fact that they're going to keep stepping forward and hope they kind of gel together and mesh together. I would like to see them go about this in a, in a smarter way and not really put all your chips in the wrong baskets. To talk about, you know, some teams that are kind of caught in a bind, one of them that I, I, I wasn't planning on bringing up, but I do want to bring up now is Dallas with that Kristaps Porzingis contract. And McKay, you're shaking your head. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's two trades in the last probably five, six years that have just killed both teams. Um, the Porzingis-Knicks trade is one of them. I think the Knicks are sitting there going, we really only got two late first-round picks for Porzingis. And the Mavericks are sitting there thinking, we really gave up all that to pay Porzingis. Um, <laughs> hey, that's a so Tim Hardaway Jr. Lose. trade. That's it is. Tim Hardaway the other Jr. one I'd say right, is uh, right. Isaiah Thomas-Kyrie. I don't think really worked out for Cleveland or Boston. Anyway, yeah, Dallas, because Luca's max contract – in in principle kicks in at this coming trade deadline, right? They have this summer and they have the trade deadline to really make things click around Luca before it gets a lot tougher with his max contract. And Porzingis does not look like that guy. And so if they could get off that contract, even at a neutral value, um, getting him into cap space saying, Hey, Knicks, do you want him back? They're not going to say no, but you mentioned the Rockets and stuff there. That That's a very, very unique situation. And they have this cap space this summer. They were the team talking about Giannis or Rudy Gobert to come play next to Luca, you know, stud defender. Um, obviously, Giannis is a two time MVP and Rudy's not that offensively, but they were looking to get that top 15, top 20 player at worst. And then they all extended. And so now they're sitting there with, you know, a good chunk of cap space, 25 million ish this summer. But do they want to let Tim Hardaway Jr. go just to sign a guy like Mike Conley? I don't really know. So they're just in such a bind where their cap space is kind of fake because once you take into account the players they've lose to use it, it's neutral at best. And they've got to figure it out because we've seen time and time again with those second contracts, you look around the league, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns uh, is kind of the current one where it's so hard to build around players on their second contracts that it's kind of now or never you have this summer, you have this trade deadline and that's it for Dallas um, yeah. outside of small tweaks around Luca. And I'm not, we're not going to start talking about Luca being a flight risk from Dallas because that's still five, six years away, but it is those moves that really affect that down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at this summer, it's really shaping up to be probably the most important summer in Dallas in, in a long time. You know, you have a franchise talent, you have to capitalize on that. And you're looking at the pieces that they have in place around Luca. And there's definitely questions. And Porzingis is at the forefront. We saw that in the in this postseason. He just wasn't the kind of player um, that you wanted to have complement Luca. I mean, the biggest flaw for this team, I think, that we can most most of us can agree on is that the shot creation, the secondary playmaking wasn't there for this team. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., to his credit, he does supply some of that that they need. Uh, but his contract coming up is definitely going to be something that um, is definitely going to hamstring them if they want to go that route. I mean, his cap hold is $28 million. I don't anticipate him to get quite that much money, but definitely a raise on his you know, $19 million that he was owed this season. So if you're going to put that into play, you know, you're not even at the point of being able to offer, you know, like a mid-level type deal to anybody after that, you know, tight money, you know, you're down to, you know, almost like 4 million probably after that in cap space. So uh, it really comes down to how they can utilize Brzingis contract. I mean, that's a lot of money that you can kind of throw out there to get pieces back. You know, it might result in getting like two kind of mid-level players back, but if you could find guys that fit Luca's play style better than Brzingis does, even if they're slightly worse players, maybe offensively, that could be a win for them. But uh, to their credit, they do have some positive value contracts and lower end like Jalen Brunson, 
you know, they still have a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith at $4 million to utilize. So it's not like they don't have good contracts on their books. But as far as that number two or number three player, they're definitely going to have to, uh, you know, get creative when it comes to finding a guy like that. But I, I think are we are in agreement that, you know, they should try to move off Porzingis if uh, something realistic is on the table out there. Yeah, I think any neutral move for them with Porzingis, where they can even if it's a same level talent, um, just a different type of player next to look at it. As you mentioned, the secondary ball handling, secondary playmaking is huge. Um, as a Jazz fan, and we don't need to get into the Jazz too much because you know we're still playing basketball. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, but you know we have our, we're very tied up in the books. Um, we're already over the tax, and Mike Conley's our only free agent really. And we're looking around the league thinking, you know, is Mike Conley going to resign? Who could really realistically go get Mike Conley? And the team that always comes up is Dallas. But as you just mentioned, are they really going to let Tim Hardaway Jr. walk just to bring in Mike Conley? Is that that big of a difference? And it's just they've got to figure out a way to get that secondary playmaker that the Jazz have had in Mike Conley to, for Donovan Mitchell. And the best way to do that is just to trade Porzingis for basically for parts. As you mentioned, go get two or three players for him. See if you can just come up with some sort of neutral trade to just get different types of players, maybe a couple extra players to build around Luca. I know so, something, or go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say a name you guys, nobody has brought up so far, and I'm kind of shocked about it, is Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul is talking about opting out of his contract and then taking a three 20 year, 20 mil per year deal. I mean, everyone's kind of assuming that's a lock for Phoenix to lock him up with that deal. But I think anyone that, has a chance or wants mentorship could go get him. I mean, do you guys see that fitting with either of the teams we've referenced so far? I think yes, but I just like right now, the way Phoenix is playing and you, you're kind of seeing, hard to root against you're, them. you're seeing Aiden like, <laughs> blossom in front of your face. You're seeing like Devin Booker dropped 47 in an elimination, or not an elimination, but a closeout game. It's hard. I, In my opinion, if I'm Chris Paul, I'm looking at that team right now and being like, I don't want to walk away from this for the next couple of years, right? Like, first of all, your position as starting point guard is pretty much locked. Like, campaign's not taking over your starting spot. Javon Carter's not taking over your starting spot. They're great backup point guards, but they're not going to take your starting point guard role. So realistically, for the next two to three years, you're still going to be a starter on a playoff team. But, you know, like like you guys said, like, I do think that the best way to go about it is moving on from that Wiggins contract or not Wiggins contract, that Porzingis contract. The reason why I brought up Wiggins and why he's on my mind is I think that's a decent swap. Um, swap. And just because it adds, you know, a, a great defender to that Dallas team, someone who can go out there, get 20 points per game. Uh, and he's kind of stepped up on the offensive end as well. Wiggins Porzingis um, makes a lot of sense. Wiggins is good. He's yeah. just not a max player. He's not the number one overall pick everyone expected. So everyone kind of hates on him because he didn't live up to expectations. But at the very right. base level, he's a solid, legit. But scorer. even even he's in that play-in game, I was saying like realistically, seven years ago when he got drafted, people wanted him to be the guy who locked up LeBron, and he he did it in that game. Like he was the guy who locked up LeBron. And it just happened seven years after you expected it. Like I, that's, that's a whole other conversation about just being hard on young guys. Um, but you know, the last team I want to talk about before we move on um, just because they are struggling in the playoffs right now. And I personally feel like they are backed into a horrible corner and that's the Milwaukee bucks, um, you know, down to one right now to the Brooklyn nets. And the, you kind of can see it. Like this is still Brooklyn without James Harden. Like, without a guy who realistically got you to the second round of the playoffs on a yearly basis. 
and they're beating the team that was supposed to they they beat them handily the first two games like obviously the road team hasn't won a game yet so it's still a series but like without your second best player arguably best player at times they're still beating Milwaukee I don't see how Milwaukee can especially with you know Giannis is supermax kicking in next year up to 39 million I don't see how you can really rebuild this team in a way to compete against the Brooklyn next next season. Like I, in my opinion, like is Giannis a good enough first option? Sure. Let's just say yes for the sake of not bringing that up into an argument. But is Chris Middleton a good enough second option? I don't really think so. And the way Drew Holiday's playing, like I don't think you can rely on him to be both the guy who's, especially at this point of his career, the guy who's locking up the best player on the other end and giving buckets on the, on the offensive end. And I think, you know, the loss of DiVincenzo was bigger than I feel like is being talked about. I mean, that is one of their better defenders. That's not enough to put you over in this series though. So what do you guys think is, is the Milwaukee situation? Do y'all feel the same way I do about them maybe to a lesser extent, or what do you think they need to maybe move away from Middleton? That Drew Holiday trade in hindsight now, especially seeing what James Harden was traded for is bad. Like, I think, I think if, if that, and also I think if that James Harden trade happens before the Drew Holiday trade, they don't make that deal. First of all, <laughs> we're going to get some talk. Can we talk about how big of a deal that Giannis signed that extension already? And we're not sitting here on oh, June man. 12th talking about him being a free agent in three weeks. Yeah. We, 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 we should be talking about that. Like, <laughs> like I don't want to be about that. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be the guy to say that he needs to, like, I don't think he needs to get up and leave Milwaukee for them to win, but I don't see what Milwaukee does for them to be able to win around Giannis. Like, yeah, I didn't love the Drew Holiday trade at the time because I think people in trades, they often forget a majority of the time you're not trading for a player. You're trading for the right to pay a player. Look at Dallas with Porzingis like we just talked about. And now we're looking at the Bucks who just gave Drew four for 130 after trading, after giving all that up to trade for him. And so you don't account for the you're trading to pay for somebody. And I think they just have to run it back a few more years and they'll probably go with a coaching change maybe this summer, if not next summer. And maybe that helps a little bit. We've seen a lot of first year coaches win titles last you know half decade. I think they just got to keep, which is ironically their motto in the playoffs that hasn't worked on the court. But I think off the court, they just got to keep banging their head against the wall, just do it a little bit harder and see if it works this time. <laughs> um, it doesn't work on the court in the playoffs, but maybe it'll work off the court because they've definitely backed themselves into a corner. That being said, they have a two-time MVP in his prime, great, you know, top five player at worst in the league. Giannis is phenomenal. So hopefully you just, you know, LeBron, Michael Jordan, all those guys didn't win titles to their late 20s. So maybe Giannis has one last little gear he gets to, and that's a difference maker. Because, yeah, cap-wise, you just got hit on your mid-levels and minimum players and hope it works out. And, yeah, they're, they're in trouble. <laughs> hey, I, you, you, you... Oh, I was just going to say, I flat out don't get this team because they have two identities. The team I saw in the regular season, I really thought was going to beat the uh, was going to beat the the Nets to the point that I called it. I said net, I said Bucks in six because they have a top ten offense. They got a top ten defense. I thought they had all the parts to come together and do something special. And you know, fine, say I'm a Brooklyn hater, and that 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 biases me. Fine, fine, whatever. But still, I thought it was a 50-50 series, and what we've seen is not 50-50 so far. It's not even 70-30. It's like, well, the Nets just kind of fumbled game three, but they had game three in the bag too, if you think about it. 
So I just don't know. And it it's, there's this drop off between the regular season to the postseason that I almost think is coaching based. I think once bud is out of there, they have a chance. Does Giannis give them that time? Does he give a coach like uh, Mike D'Antoni really didn't hit his stride till his second year as a rocket head coach, you know, do, does Giannis say, Hey, yeah, I'm going to give this new guy uh, free reign to do what he wants. Or are we going to see like Damian Lillard saying, Oh, I want Jason Kidd coming in which is a big mistake, but do we see Giannis doing the same thing? Oh, I want some dude. I'm, that should well, I think, I think that, I think that dude in. will probably be Jason Kidd that he asked for. I mean, Jason Kidd was the one who started, oh, started that team. He loved he, Kidd. He, he's been on record multiple yeah. times talking about how much Kidd influenced his career and uh, like how, how close he had of a relationship they have. So would Mike D'Antoni be fun there? I think Mike D'Antoni oh, would be yeah. fun there too, but I'd rather see D'Antoni in Portland and watch Damian Lillard drop 40 a game. I think so does Terry Stotts oh, come man. over to Milwaukee? Is that a possibility? Wasn't it Stotts to Indiana? Wasn't that like the That's big, also uh, a very legit that's rumor. Big thing? Yeah, I, all I know is Bjorkgren's not getting another no, job. Cause Indiana, nah, wants a, he, Indiana wants a – He dropped the bag on that one. Indiana's <laughs> like, we need a real coach <laughs> to come in and throw the hammer down, and Stotts could do that at least a little bit. But we could talk coaching carousel another podcast. <laughs> that's that's an hour topic on its own yeah oh facts i mean if we're going to be real about this milwaukee team i mean i think there's like three areas to come to mind for me when it comes to their continued struggles it's i think first of all is Giannis. i don't think Giannis is blameless in this i think you know in game three especially he has his weaknesses and i think you're you know we're seeing the same theme come postseason you know he's he's you know, settling for these three-point shots, uh, you know, they play him. I, I think Alan mentioned this coaching. The scheme is definitely a problem as well. Uh, you know, they play him as more of like a perimeter player, uh, you know, thinking that he's like Kawhi Leonard or something. Like, that's not going to work for his play style. Like, he doesn't have the shot creation. He doesn't have the accuracy from deep to be that kind of player. He needs to be utilized more as like a role guy. He, need to be, he needs to be utilized like a big man, uh, which I think Milwaukee has not done a great job of doing so far. Uh, I think Middleton is also, you know, I think Middleton is just, there are games where he's like, oh, this is a top 15, 20 player. Like this guy can get it done for us. And then there's other games where it's like, why do we sign this guy again? Like it just fluctuates between those two extremes way too often. And then I think the third point is really just the depth, Uh, you know, losing DiVincenzo, I think exposes their bench to an even greater degree because you're forcing a guy like Forbes to play big minutes. He gets absolutely shredded, especially against Brooklyn. He has no chance of guarding any of those perimeter players. Uh, And then Pat Connaughton has to step up. Bobby Portis has been good. I would definitely give Portis credit for the season, but their bench just doesn't get it done. uh, If you're looking at it from a, you know, a bird's eye view, you know, PJ Tucker's a starter now, so he's not coming off the bench. There's just a lot of flaws when it comes to that second unit. And I think they just, it's too much to overcome um, right now for them. So I mean, it's a multitude of issues, I think, but I, I think that there's not much they can do. I mean, the draft capital is limited to some pick swaps, uh, essentially second round picks. So, yeah, it's going to come down to just winning on the margins um, after this season if they don't make it again. And, you know, McCade, it sounds kind of, uh, you know, it, it sounds rough when you say, like, just keep, you know, banging your head against the wall. But 
that's pretty much all they can do unless they want to completely just rewrite the book and ship Middleton off or something. And and it can work. You have Giannis. You can do that and maybe get a title or two. Like Giannis is that great yeah. of a player, especially if he's used in a different way and used right. That that very well could work. And you know, personally, as a you know, jazz fan and an NBA fan, if you told me, yeah, you have Giannis for the next five years, your cap's a little you know, little gray area, gotta figure some stuff out there, I'd be thrilled because you have a top five player in the league and that's impossible to get. And that's a great start regardless of what issues you have. So the Bucks are fine, but you're definitely right up against the ceiling. You got to figure out a way just to slip through one of those cracks. Yeah, and the, the problem is that those Middleton and Holiday contracts aren't exactly easy contracts to move off of. I mean, that extension God. for True Holiday. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know rough. why they did that in the first – because when, when they did that trade, they got his bird rights, did they not? Yeah. So I don't know why you don't just so. test it out see what happens i mean if, if if you have a good team i don't think drew holiday says no to the chance of the most money a team can offer plus playing with a top five player like yeah. at that point of his career there's not going to be a lot of top five players that you can easily just walk onto that team with getting a lot of money like, number one error in the nba is trading for players not trading for their rights to pay the player that gap is what gets a lot of teams in trouble yeah, and so, you know, giving him that massive extension through 2025 uh, with the player option that, you know, he probably will pick up just because I don't see Drew Holiday still being a, a the guy that everybody says he is five years from now. Um, and then also Middleton making $40 million in 2024. Like, that's that's crazy. Like, I, 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 I like Chris Middleton. Don't get me wrong. But I do not see him as a – when James Harden is the second best player on an NBA team or Anthony Davis is the second best player on an NBA team, uh, Paul George even, who at one point was an MVP candidate, like, you cannot have Chris Middleton be the your guy in that conversation, especially whenever those other teams also have a top five to seven guy. Like your, your top guy is comparable to their top guy. Your second guy is not comparable to their second guy. So I don't know how you can expect to, uh, to really be able to compete. I was talking to Akil who was on this uh, podcast last episode and he brought up a good point of, you know, in the playoffs, what really matters, you know, the number one guy is probably going to show up 95% of the time. What really matters is how that second best player shows up. Uh, and if your second best player doesn't do what he's supposed to do, then, you know, you're in for a rough series. And that's kind of what's happening with the Bucks right now. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on. We talked about this a lot longer than I planned on, uh, but we're just going to talk about the, uh, the 2023 upcoming CBA agreement, potentially 2024, if there's not a mutual opt-out. First of all, before we get started, do you think there will be a mutual opt-out? Do you there's think always been one. Everybody wants to get on the move and get the next yeah. deal done. And everyone thinks grass is greener on the other side and, <clears throat> Yeah, they'll, they'll talk summer 2023 for sure. Well, they'll yeah. start talking in about a year if they're not already talking right now. But. And so big thing that's happening there, uh, that's whenever like the NBA is really going to start including the money coming in from gambling. Um, yeah. We'll probably see, you know, a lot of the valuations of teams around the league skyrocket, as well as probably the salary cap. And also just, you know, gen we're, we're going to see a lot of dudes get paid basically. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting, especially with everything that happened in the last year and a half. I think there's going to be measures put in to ensure that there's not, you know, another bubble situation. Again, if, you know, something else happens pandemic wise, I feel like they, the players probably want a lot more security. But there's a lot of other things that need to be talked about. Uh, what do you guys 
think are the biggest talking points going into the next CBA? And what, what do you think the resolutions are going to be? McCain, we'll start with you. And just so I think the number one place the CBA talks are always going to go, at least on court production, is what to do with players and how to find that balance after their second contract. Um, specifically, you saw, you know, LeBron, Darren Williams, Carmelo, that whole era, uh, Chris Bosh, that whole era fight their way out. And then you've seen the Supermax has been the number one thing this past CBA and how that gets tweaked. Um, it's probably number one on the priority list. And then number two is just the um, unintended consequences of that is how can teams protect themselves financially long-term. Um, and I think draft picks are something that might come up a little bit because you see so many teams look at the Lakers, look at the Clippers, look at the Bucks We just talked about um, look at the Nets. I know you love it as a, Rockets fan, look at the Nets <laughs> where teams are going, okay, we can trade draft picks seven years out. Sweet, let's do it. And even the Rockets before that, though, with the Chris and even Paul the, Yeah, team. you're right. The Rockets have seen both sides of this, that you – so many teams are just selling the entire future for now because GMs don't last more than four or five years, so they don't care about six or seven years down the road. I mean, even my Jazz have given away all seven second-round picks we have for basically nothing – and so I think those are kind of the three main things for at least on the court stuff is how can the league continue to get, how can the league stop GMs from hurting themselves um, and make sure teams have the opportunities to retain their players in a productive manner without uh, taking away player empowerment, because there's a balance there. I'm all for player empowerment. I love what LeBron did. when He went to Miami. I'm okay with what Gordon Hayward did and he went to Boston, all that kind of stuff. But we're seeing teams be scared to have team empowerment and take care of themselves as well. Um, You know, you look at the Chicago Bulls and Jimmy Butler, for example, and they, you know, they let him walk. They traded him to Minnesota because they didn't want to pay him. And we've seen that a couple other times in the last few years. So it's just finding that balance where you allow players to have their player empowerment while you also let teams feel comfortable enough to have team empowerment. And it's we could spend five or six hours on that, but I think those are the main points is and always will be is how do we let the players have player empowerment while the teams have their control as well. Aaron, what about you? Uh, I'm going to really just kind of reverberate McCade's thoughts on the, the supermax and just that whole agreement, that whole structure in the CBA is definitely an interesting point. And a lot, you know, sometimes it works out, you know, if there's going to be a, a Luca, there's going to be a Damian Lillard, you know, become supermax eligible. That's a no brainer. I think a lot of times it could work out, but we've seen cases in like Rudy Gobert's, situation him becoming eligible for the supermax that's a very interesting concept because as it stands now if you are a defensive player of the year you can find yourself at the you know at the doorstep of a supermax contract which a lot of us feel that you know it's not exactly uh something that maybe you know it's not you know you're not going to get the whole return on investment with something like that uh with a player of his kind of play style and, and things like that so uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be looking at how the Supermax is negotiated in, in the next CBA, uh, if they retain that kind of requirement um, using the Defensive Player of the Year, or they kind of cut that out and maybe go with something else, on uh, some other award. Um, that's definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on. Uh, but yeah, it definitely does come down to, you know, the player empowerment, you know, that's definitely going to be retained. And I think that's going to be evolving as we go along. Um, there's been so much progress made in the area already, and I think that's going to continue uh, but yeah, definitely that that supermax is going to be probably number one on my list. And then yeah, definitely security for the players as well. Um, you know, this past year with COVID has been a huge eye opener for for a lot of us that kind of watch basketball. We see how these guys make a living, and um, you know, seeing the force majeure come into play is definitely something that I don't think any of us ever thought we'd see in our lifetime. 
um, because, you know, it takes extreme circumstances for that to be activated. But yeah, I mean, I think the NBA has done did really well by the by the players in the past few years. And I think we're going to continue to see that as, you know, the players have gotten a bigger share of the, um, you know, the revenue sharing and, and things like that. And they have more freedom. I think it's going to continue. And um, I'm excited to see what that looks like in the next CBA once we get to that point. And the money continues to flow. I think the players are going to definitely benefit from the from the next one um, as they have recently. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think you guys hit kind of everything. I think uh, I think both sides are going to come to the table after COVID and have pain points. Owners are going to say, look, the bubble was expensive. You know, we had to do this. We have to do that. We have to be ready for these kind of circumstances. So, you know, the revenue split that we're seeing, we want to go down. Um, and players are going to come and say, look, we played through that. We want that to go up. And like, like you said, when gambling money comes in, players might say, okay, now we need a bigger piece of the pie. I really think this is going to be, this is going to be murky waters, especially if, if one and done is off the table, if they're, they're going to finally get rid of that role too in this CBA. Mm -hmm. I mean, the double draft is going to change things. I I'm scratching my head with Supermax because I'm looking at it and I'm looking at how much, and of course uh, it's Brooklyn. So of course just nag at me, but I'm looking that the whole concept of creating these supermax deals and and really going out there was to reward players and keep players in markets. But if you can get James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving all on the same team, what are we doing? We're not we're not limiting. We're not we're not distributing talent now. We're we're encouraging it and we're encouraging it to markets that can spend. I mean, it makes sense that the New York market can spend. It makes sense that the Knicks in the last what 20 years have been above the luxury tax something like 12 times and the Knicks have how many championships to show for it? Like so <laughs> I, I I I get it. And you need to I'm look up luxury to tax years compared to playoff wins for the Knicks cuz they might be about equal. <laughs> oh, God. Dang. I, mean, I think I, I think is... one of them might be more and i'm afraid to say which one of them oh. <laughs> hope the Knicks fans are listening to this podcast yeah. it's a rough day for them and yeah. i get it like that that money folds back into the league and it's all that stuff like okay here it is from 2002 to 2015 the knicks paid 250 million dollars in luxury tax that is insane And, and I get it. They can afford that and they can do that. But then what's happening is we're going to get talent aggregation in markets or in teams that are smarter, like the nets were, Uh, we're going to get talent aggregation. And then I think for owners, that's a little scary. If you're, if you are a Milwaukee team that is valued at less than a billion dollars, like you can't afford to do this. You can barely afford the three stars you're overpaying right now. Well, maybe Giannis isn't overpaid, but you know, the other two, we just got off saying they're overpaid. So I'm really scared at what's going to come. And I'm like, I know I'm more naysayer at times. I'm really like, I think we'll see a partial lockout actually. Yeah. Well, we were talking to Alan, you know, beforehand and we have conversations all the time on Twitter. Give us all a follow. We love this stuff. We're all nerd out about the cap stuff, but <laughs> you talk, you know, soft cap versus hard cap and all that fun stuff or even no cap. And, you know, you can get into that for, I could, you know, write a hundred page paper on that. But one of the, uh, one of the downsides to the soft cap, and I'm a huge fan of the soft cap and I know a lot of people hate it, but one of the downsides to soft cap is once you get over it, you're kind of forced to do things. Um, so you look at the Drew Holiday contract, you look at Mike Conley with Utah. So, uh, you know, I'll just speak from a jazz fan perspective because I'm a jazz fan, Mike Conley. So the jazz are already over the luxury tax. They're about three, 4 million over. And this is before they say Mike Conley. So anything they pay Mike Conley, that's their tax bill basically. And there's nothing. And so if Mike Conley leaves, the Jazz will have 
you know, a 5 million MLE to replace him. There's nothing stopping Mike Conley from walking into Ryan Smith's office and going, hey, you give me a full 35% of the cap, you give me a full 40 million or I'm leaving. And the Jazz just have to go, no, I have a choice. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got to get all my, the Jazz have a couple of minority owners who are Steve Ballmer rich and they got to go beg them for money and all that fun stuff. And yeah, they don't have a choice because you can't let Mike Conley walk and all of a sudden you're replacing him with Austin Rivers or, <laughs> you know, you can't sign Mike Conley to $40 million a year. And all of a sudden you're paying 125 million in luxury tax for the next four years. And I'm not saying Mike Conley is going to do that. Um, he's a pretty reasonable dude and but there's just no negotiation going on right now in the yeah. NBA at a lot of levels it's like hey this is it take it or leave it and so as I said I'm all for the player empowerment but there has to be some team empowerment on the other side of that to keep things in balance and there just isn't that right now when it comes to these Drew Holidays these Mike Conley's even these Rudy Gobert's and Giannis's where it's like yes you have to give me everything and then go trade for everything or else I'm out and it just gets very very sticky very very fast um, and that's, I'm really worried. This is kind of a really offhanded comment, but I'm really worried the financial salary cap is going to fold in on itself as these numbers get bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's just lack of a middle class per se that, and you know, you can't just be like, okay, well now a team can only have a hundred win shares on a team because win shares isn't a perfect stat. There is no perfect stat. So you can't really go to a right. statistical model, but there's just some weird questions there with leverage. And as you said, these small market teams being painted into a corner where they have to do these big deals where we get on a podcast and say, man, that Drew holiday contract isn't looking so great. I tried coming up with something where I said it takes into account ticket revenue. It takes into account market size. And I, I, I actually have like 70% of an article written and then I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this is more complicated than my tax code as an American. <laughs> this is never going to get adopted. And, you know, I tried to say, okay, you know, if, if, if you have so many fans or you have so much revenue from fan revenue and stuff like that, it just, it gets to be where it has to be a simple system because it won't get adopted. But the problem is, is now we've reached a system that is so overly simplistic that you've got these lawyers who are really smart at getting around it. I mean, the Rockets fans will, uh, before Daryl Morey left were gaga over him because he figured out a way to do magic. And it's like, well, the system is kind of simplistic. There are loopholes and there are, there are things like that, but it's not that complicated. It's not our tax code. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say so some of the things that I think are probably going to get touched on and just as well as the stuff that you guys said, just stuff that hasn't been mentioned, um, some stuff, I think the player discipline rules are probably going to get touched on a bit in terms of, um, you know, a lot of the stuff with the media, I feel like, especially with uh, what happened with with Kyrie Irving and now with uh, Naomi Osaka. In terms of just players don't really want to be speaking to the media all the time, but you also don't want to catch a fine for not talking to the media once. I mean, you play 82 games, you know, I don't need to talk to the media after all 82 games. And so I think there, there's, there's probably going to be something over there about, you know, maybe they don't have to do as much media. Uh, I think in terms of the, the league drug program, I think the, uh, the mar- marijuana is going to be uh, probably dropped out of the drug program. I don't see why it wouldn't. Uh, I think the players are going to fight for that to get dropped out of that as well. Um, just because also look at all the players that are hurt. Like, would you rather them be smoking weed in their free time or playing games like on a bunch of opioids? Like there's these professional athletes are de- like a lot of, and we, this is a whole other conversation as well, but you know, 
in, in terms of Jason Kidd. We should have uh, made this like a 10 part podcast. Yeah, probably. And I, I, was, <laughs> I, I was talking about it recently with the whole Jason Kidd stuff. And it was brought up to me that, you know, he did like, even though he does have a, 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 a past of, you know, not just to put it lightly, not being a good person. Um, he also had a long history of, you know, drug addiction. And that comes with being in, in, in the league for 18 years with a lot of pain. I mean, we're not professional athletes, but I, I wake up in the morning and my back hurts. So I can only imagine what it's like, you know, doing this on a night in and night out basis. And then on top of that, I think the, I think the, with all the stuff that has been going on with two shortened seasons, but also a, a big in, influx in money, and, you know, Silver also wanting to get that mid-season tournament in. I think we might see a shortened season uh, yeah. down to probably like 76 games, in my opinion. And I don't think you'll see any pro rate for contracts before that, just because they're already going to get so much money in, in already. They're just going to say, all right, you know what, we'll give you your 35 million. That was supposed to be over 82 games, over 76 games, because we're getting so much money coming in anyway. What's well, a couple million here? But those are just some small things that I think are going to happen. But I do agree with Alan. I think that this there's going to be a, a lockout, maybe not enough to cut into the season, but, you know, maybe enough to take out, you know, a little bit of training camp or, or, or maybe even say, hey, we're not going to do preseason this year. Uh, and we're just going to go straight from training camp into the season because there's a lot of things that the teams need to talk about. There, there's a lot of things that the players want to talk about too. And, and like all of you guys have said, I think both, both sides are going to come to this like conversation with a, with a binder full of points of, Hey, this is what we want to happen. And it's going to, there's going to be a lot of negotiations between all of those. Cause uh, you know, the, the, the players and owners don't necessarily see eye to eye very often. Um, and so you, there's a lot of topics that they're going to need to see eye to eye for, uh, moving on to the very last topic. We'll, and we're just going to talk about a hypothetical that Alan brought up. So Alan, we'll let you, you, you talk about it. Uh, you know, McCade said that there's a soft cap, hard cap and all of that, but you, you are a fan of a free market in the NBA. Oh no no no! I am not a fan. Oh, of the not, free a, not a fan of. Oh no no no! I didn't want to. I didn't want to. No no no! Um, I am not a fan of the of a free market. I, I did have an idea though, and I brought it up on the twitters before. Of what if one player on your team was uncapped? One player per team could be uncapped, and you could sign him for whatever you want. So there are thirty players in the NBA who can get whatever deal they want, and you know, everyone else is under the cap. You can't have two players on your team. Like you can't, you can't have this talent aggregation that we see in Brooklyn or things like that. Like if you sign that deal, you are uncapped. You are not luxury taxed, whatever. What do you guys think? That's so kind would of the, a free would market. the rest of the roster be like a hard cap? Uh, the like... rest of the roster could be soft capped, hard cap. There's some kind of penalty. Um, I was thinking more soft cap, but essentially like, going to the Lakers and saying, okay, you can sign LeBron to 250 million a year, but the rest of your roster is capped at 110 million and that's it. And if that's what you want to sign LeBron to, that's what you want to sign LeBron to. And, you know, then the small market owners, if they really want to keep a player, they can, if they really want to show loyalty to a player, they can, but you're probably, you might still lose out to him to go in going to another market. No, I think that's a great idea at the base um, because that's the number one issue in the NBA right now. 
uh, at least from a cap perspective, in my opinion, is you have 45 players on max contracts and the top 45 players in league are not all equal. De'Aaron Fox mm-hmm. is not as good as LeBron James and Giannis and, Giannis and whatnot. And I get you have the 5% tiers based on experience level, and that's where the super max comes into play and all that fun stuff. But at the very base, you have 45 players on max contracts, and that's not a healthy thing. But you can't just take away the max contracts because then you really destroy the middle class even worse than it is because then LeBron goes and gets 80% of the cap, and you're like, all right, LeBron and 11, mil- uh, 11 minimum players run out there and do your thing. And so yeah. that's what they got to figure out. And this is a good idea with that. And this is the right line of thinking that they've got to figure out a way to get max players more money to separate that pack a little bit while not sacrificing the actual number on the books. And that's why I threw out like, could you go to a max of a hundred win shares on a team? But again, good luck finding a stat that makes perfect sense and then tying in injuries and games played to all that. And that just gets super duper complicated. That's no fun. But I do agree that this is the right line of thinking we need is how do we separate the max class so it's not 45 players because that's where the number one issue is. So my only issue with this is there might be some issues between players of just like this dude's making like $200 million and the most I can make is $25 million. You know, like that. Better be a top 30 player. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's, there's, there's some issues like that. But then also, you know, we're going to see the – the teams, you know, the teams with the most money be able to get the best of those top 30, right? Like, I mean, the Lakers can offer $250 million to LeBron, sure. The Knicks can offer $250 million to LeBron too. The Rockets can't, you know, the the Spurs can't. Uh, even the Clippers probably, well, actually, no, the Clippers can. Um, but, you know, there's, there's some teams out there that are even in big markets that they just don't have the financial wherewithal to, to pay someone that much money. So then you, you narrow down the pool of teams that could pay LeBron a max contract of being, you know, potentially eight or nine in a, in a free agency yeah, but LeBron's not to like to three. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, but still like the, the, the amount of teams that can pay LeBron in a normal free agency would be, you know, seven, eight or seven or eight. The amount of teams that really can pay LeBron, if you had it like this, goes down to like two or three. A team like Miami gets cut out of that eight down yeah. to three. Yeah, and so, and, and so like it's it, it makes it a little bit tougher. And, and again, it, I think it as much as it helps the smaller market teams, it also hurts them just because instead of getting, you know, the LeBrons and Kevin Durant's James Harden's of the world, instead you're getting probably like the Sabonis's and Vucevic's on those contracts because they're still, you know, probably arguably at times top 30 players and all 30 teams are going to want to do this to one of their players, but it just might not really be worth it. Or, you know, you're just paying them to not have it go against your cap, which is great. Um, But, you know, like how much does it really help you in the end of the day? But I I do like the idea of changing the way that the salary cap works today. I don't know if that is the, the best way to go about it, but kind of sort of like what happens in a, in the NFL with like a, the franchise tag. I'm not a big fan of the franchise tag, but something similar of like a guy already on your roster and you can tell them like, Hey, we're going to be able to pay you like 40 million, not against the cap for one more year. If you want to stick around, like, I think that that is something that, you know, could could work like you could pay him if they're already on your roster but if they're not then 
then you got to figure out a way to get that to work. But I do, I do like the, the idea of changing things overall. I think one of the things the owners, because the owners are starting to get frustrated more than they have in the past. They feel like they're really losing control and rightfully so. There's just a, such a fine line of balance to walk there. I do think you might see a push for the amnesty clause to return. I think um, I I think so too. I think that's because the that players probably... still get their money when they get amnestied. They yeah, still get right. that money. It just is off the cap the sheet. Clean slate. Um, yeah. Which is obviously a big deal. And I do think the NFL, um, and of course the NFL, the teams have all the control because those, you know, careers are three years long. You're making two million if you're lucky, blah, 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 blah. But I do think so the NFL draft is you can trade a pick four years out. And there's no limitations on that. And I do think you could potentially see the stipend will get eliminated and teams are only allowed to trade their draft pick four or five years out instead of seven or eight, because that's obviously been a big problem for teams as well Is they have to sacrifice eight years down the line instead of four years down the line. And teams are only giving up four first round picks anyway, because of the stipend rule and they have to flip flop them. Yeah. The, the swaps are just making like, it's, yeah. it's, it's cool from a strategic standpoint, right? Like if you're, yeah. if you're a strategic person, like I, like I feel like all four of us are, like it's it's cool thing like going through and think about like oh well they can't make this trade because of this but if they move this around and you know yeah. go and get a pick here then you can move the pick for next year and stuff like that well, so you know my favorite example is the bucks this year who traded the number whatever and it being 26 pick whatever pick they have to the rockets for like the yeah. number 32 pick it's like yeah, 24 we're move six rounds back we're gonna move six picks back just so we don't have to give them a guaranteed contract. And it's yeah. like, yeah. all right, that's fair. I like that. <laughs> and, then, that. and then they, the they changed. And the Rockets had the 2022 pick from, from Cleveland. Yeah. And they, they moved it back to 2023 in order to have a little bit more flexibility as well. So Yeah, and you know, so the Jazz are 30, and I'd love for the Jazz to go trade 30 for 31 for that same reason. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's just some weird quirks in there that I think they can work out around the draft and draft pick trading because draft picks are the number one financial – there's a what's the word I'm looking for? There's a monetary value of the league. That's what cash is in the NBA. You know, in America we have the US dollar in the NBA you have draft picks. Um, so I think they'll rework that a tiny bit as well if they get around to it. Cause I will say my closing thoughts and we can wrap up is um, they did a really good job with the whole COVID stuff and the bubble stuff. So I do think these two parties are very firm and going to negotiate really hard for stuff they want. But I do think both parties want to get stuff done and are willing to negotiate and compromise. And I think we do have a healthy relationship right now between Adam Silver, the Players Association and the owners that everything will work out, but it, there, there's going to be bumps in the road. That's the whole point of it. And rightfully so. Everybody should be selfish, at least to an extent, to get what they want, because this is a multi-billion dollar industry that needs to take care of thousands and thousands of people and all that fun stuff. So it'll be a bumpy road, but I do think we have people in good positions to, we're not going to see a year long or a two year long lockout over this. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. I'll just have a, I just got a couple points basically on that free market idea. Um, I do like the idea of uh, just giving these, like just really keeping that talent, to um, just really dividing up the talent between the teams. So you know, you know we're not probably, you, you wouldn't have those book and net scenarios uh, in the free market most likely, unless somebody's gonna take a huge pay cut. That's definitely a plus of this idea I'm really in favor of. Um, you know, my concern, I think Nima touched on this earlier was like the small markets I think are still at a disadvantage in this scenario. Uh, you know, if you can only offer, you know, 40 or 50 million as opposed to a hundred million to, you know, one of these designated players, um, you're definitely still kind of limited as to the top of type of top end talent that you can get. And as we know, if you're going to win a championship, you do need somebody of that caliber 
so of course there's still avenues of, of trading and things like that. If a, if a guy gets disgruntled with their situation, uh, we could still see that, but ultimately, um, yeah, there's some merits to this idea that I do like, and maybe we can find some of those positives where we do have the uh, competitive balance in this scenario. We can kind of blend it with a way that um, allows the small markets to still remain competitive. So maybe, you know, we can forward a letter to the leech, Adam Silver and say, Hey, what do you think of this idea? Let's tweak it and let's make it happen. So I, I do the like idea that. that works. You're going to be a millionaire. Facts. facts. <laughs> yeah. If you're the pioneer or something like that. Yeah. You can you get a job in the NBA, like, Hey, bring him on. He knows what he's talking about. You're, you're good to go. So yeah. Good yeah, work I, on that idea, Alan. I'm, I'm in favor of a lot of points of that idea for sure. I do. I do think one, one other thing that, that comes from that is like, um, who do you decide to give that to, right? Like if, if you are, for example, last year, the Los Angeles Lakers, and you have to give a five-year designated player contract to one of those two superstars there. Like, do you do it to Anthony Davis at 25 years old and you can have him not have to worry about him walk for five years, but then also you're basically not giving LeBron James a contract that doesn't go against the cap when all other 29 teams would do that in a heartbeat. Right. And so I think I I'm not as against the super team as a lot of people are. I mean, that's a lot of teams have tried it. A lot of teams have failed. Um, you know, the Rockets have tried it before as well with Scotty Pippen and, uh, and uh, Charles Barkley and Akeem um, Miami had one that worked. Um, you know, Brooklyn had one that didn't work and we'll see if this one does now as well. But, you know, a lot of teams have tried this super team. Uh, a lot of teams have failed. A lot of teams did well. And I think this is a trend we're going to continue to see in the league. And even then, you know, like with, um, with what, with this free market thing, I don't think we'd necessarily see the super team go away, especially because, you know, like I said, those lower teams might only be willing to pay a player, you know, 40, 50 million, because once you get to, you know, guy number 25 or 26, are they really even worth that much? You know, like you're just paying them to be on your team at that point. And so then it's like, oh, well, I don't even know if we want to pay this guy 40 million. And then he says, okay, well, if I'm not going to do that, I can go get 30 million on a team with LeBron James or on a team with Kevin Durant or James Harden or something, you know? And so we'll see, you know, still super teams, just they won't be as super as they are now with three of the top 10 players in the league. Um, but I'm still not, you know, super like, you know, the Warriors were a super team, too. And I feel like just the, as a Rockets fan being on the wrong end of that, it was annoying. But if you were, a t you know, another team in the East that wasn't going up against the Warriors on a daily basis, I'm sure there was they were a very fun team to watch or a very fun team to hate. Um but yeah, I mean, like, I, I do think that there are, there's things that they can fix in terms of the cap and that there's things that they can adjust for moving forward. Um, and that is definitely like a good way to go about it is, is have, uh, have a guy who, you know, his contract doesn't affect you as much. But also what McKay was saying, I think Amnesty does come back. Shout out Luis Scola. Um, I, I'm still a little upset about that, but that contract. That's first ballot Hall of Famer, Luis Scola. First, first ballot Hall of Famer, Luis Scola. <laughs> Um, but you know, like, especially with all the, you know, wave and stretch provisions, I mean, if the Rockets had an amnesty right now, goodbye, John Wall, you know, thank you for what, what I guess you kind of did in, in one year. Um, and you know, there's a lot of teams that would love the amnesty right now. And I'm sure there's a lot of players as well who would love to just kind of get out of the situation they're in, but can't because their contract is what it is like, sure. You're getting paid. 
you know everybody points it out of like oh well he's making 30 something million he's making 40 something million why does he have to care but if you're in a city you don't want to live in you don't want to be in like that 40 million isn't a satisfying 40 million um and so having that amnesty clause of you still get your money but you can go and you can kind of get a job wherever else you want to do uh I think I think that's something that will happen. I, I find it funny that the uh, the NBA has a lot of laws that without the CBA would be very very extremely illegal, like tying someone into one city <laughs> the the way they do, especially with like the draft and so, stuff like that. But um, that's basically it for this. You know, this is a great talk, and I feel like there are about like five or six other podcasts we could make out of this podcast. Um, a lot of different conversations and in a, you know, could be very fun off season for the Rockets. We'll see in a couple of weeks. Uh, could be an off season where I don't want to really talk about the Rockets much at all. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we, we could when's potentially- the, uh, When's the draft lottery? Uh, 10 days, 10 more days. An Eric Gordon amount of days left. Um, oh, so- it's going to be a big night, a big night. When number five is called, um, you'll either see me deactivate my Twitter or have a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of other Rockets fans who feel the exact same way. Um, well, well, your perception of Brooklyn winning a title change. If they lose I, I, I don't care. Regardless. <laughs> I don't care. Either way. I like if, if they win it, cool. If they don't, cool. Like, I, I just want, I just want to know what happens with that pick. And then after will that, you text me what happens to the draft lottery? I'll be at the vid for game one of the Western Conference finals. Oh, well, congratulations. Oh. Yeah, just, 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 just ahead of time. I was going to ask you before we, we got had to stick that one in. I, 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 I was going to ask you before it. we got <laughs> off here about, uh, about what you thought was going to happen with your jazz tonight. Um, oh, I think they lose tonight. Um, I'm actually still pretty worried about the series. Not that luck plays a factor into every game. That's just sports. It's just life. Luck's a real thing in the world that people like to ignore. Um, so they got to figure out some things, but it's a lot easier to win two out of five than it is four out of seven. So even if games one and two had some luck involved wins in them, it's still are thrilled to be up 2-0. And they just announced Mike Conley's not playing tonight while you're recording. So that sucks, but Oh, man. what happens i'm enjoying the run even if they lose the next four it's been a fun season so yeah and utah utah still looks yeah. scary man and they very likely like the way the west is very wide open um and so donovan we, and clarkson batman yeah. and robin yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least last game last game they were no comment yeah. <laughs> mccain is like robin and robin <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, to everybody listening, I appreciate you guys listening. To everybody on here, uh, I appreciate you guys coming on here. Definitely go check out everything they have. Uh, you know, I'll have all their all their Twitter tags down in the in the uh, description of the of the podcast. So go follow them. Go check out what they do. Uh, go Rockets! And uh, until next time, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you, we'll see you next week.